Well, welcome to the Wonderful Words of Life radio program. God bless you today. I'm so glad that you tuned in. We are studying the first epistle of Paul to the Corinthian church, and we are going to finish up chapter 12 today. We have spent our time in the last two sessions speaking on the manifestation of the gifts of the Spirit. We talked about the word of wisdom. We talked about the word of knowledge. We talked about faith, the gifts of healing, working of miracles, and discerning of spirits. Tongues, interpretation of tongues, and the gift of prophecy will discuss those three gifts, which are called the vocal gifts, in chapter 14 when we get over there. But right now, we're going to finish out chapter 12, and towards the end of the chapter, Paul lists ministry gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. So we want to look at those. But before we get started, let's hear from the psalmist. Notice what he says. Oh God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Because of your loving kindness is better than life, my lips shall praise you. Thus will I bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name, and my soul shall be satisfied with marrow and fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches, because you have been my help. Therefore, in the shadow of your wings, I will rejoice. Well, let's just go ahead and do that right now. Oh, Father God, we love you. We're so thankful today. You have filled our hearts with joy and excitement. Lord, we are thrilled with the word of God. We are thrilled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we're so thankful that you feed us with manna from heaven even today. So, Lord, we just ask you right now. Open our eyes and our ears and our heart to understand your truth. And Lord, we'll give you all the praise and honor and glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Well, praise the Lord. All right. Well, we begin now 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning in verse 12. Notice what Paul says. And this is so this passage of scripture going from chapter 12 down to 27 describes to us the necessity of each member of the body of Christ. Are you a member of the body of Christ? Well, if you are, then you have royal priesthood blood flowing through your veins. You have a representation in heaven. You've been seated at the right hand of the throne of God. God loves you. Amen. And he has a wonderful plan uh, for your life. So let's go ahead and read, beginning in verse 12. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. Talking about the body of Christ. Notice verse 13. For by one spirit are we all baptized into one body, whether we be Jews or Gentiles, whether we be bond or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. There's only one new birth. There's only one salvation, and that's through Christ alone. Amen. But now when Paul says in this 
uh, verse, all made to drink into one spirit. I want to read to you an excerpt from the Universal Bible Translator Handbook series that says this concerning this phrase. The verbs translated, baptized, and made to drink both refer to particular past events. Notice events is plural. In other words, he's talking about, or the, the commentators here are talking about two separate events. And they're talking about baptized, made to drink, both refer to particular past events. The first of these events was clearly baptism. That's speaking of baptism into Christ, in other words, salvation. But in the New Testament times, the gift of the Spirit was also usually associated with baptism. And of course, John the Baptist said that in Mark chapter 1 and verse 8. He says, there's one coming after me whose shoes I'm not worthy to unloose. He will baptize you with the Holy Ghost and with fire. Talking about a baptism as a result of being baptized, of one being baptized into Christ. And Jesus set a distinction between these two baptisms, the baptism into Christ and the baptism of the Spirit. Notice when Jesus was speaking to the woman at the well, he said, Jesus answered and said to her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that said to thee, give me to drink, you would have asked of him and he would have given you living water, living water. Amen. But whosoever, verse 14, drinks of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life, a well of water. But now the UBS Translator Handbook Series also uh, has a note from John 7, 37 through 39, where Jesus was talking about the river of water, but he was saying this of the Spirit. So is salvation a well of water and also a river of water? No, I don't think so. I think it's talking about two separate events. Amen. Not one. The well of water springing up into everlasting life, talking about the new birth, and then the rivers of living water. Out of our belly shall flow rivers of living water, speaking of the baptism in the Spirit. Amen. And I think that's uh, uh, not only important, but I think it's relevant for today. Praise the Lord. Amen. All right, verse 14, for the body is not one member, but many. If the foot shall say, because I am not the hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear shall say, because I am not the eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where were the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where were the smelling? But now hath God set the members, every one of them, in the body as it hath pleased him. Let me say that again, verse 18. But now hath God set the members, every one of them in the body, as it has pleased him. You are a special 
jewel in the hands of Almighty God. And he set you exactly where he wanted you. Now, Paul here is relating to and is going to relate to the fivefold ministry gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. But in this context, he's speaking to everyone within the body of Christ. You have a place. God has a place for you. God has a room for you. Amen. Praise the Lord. Verse 19, and if they were all one member, where were the body? But now are they many members, yet but one body? And the eye cannot say unto the hand, I have no need of thee, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much more, those members of the body which seem to be more feeble are necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less honorable Upon these we bestow more abundant honor, and our uncomely parts have more abundant comeliness. For our comely parts, verse 24, have no need. But God has tempered the body together, having given more abundant honor to that which lacked, that there be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. I tell you, it is just absolutely amazing how a healthy physical body functions to the degree that it functions. And we're coming to the place to where uh, we recognize beyond a shadow of a doubt that God, just like the physical body works, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ is working to that same degree. Amen. And so uh, you're a part of that body. I'm telling you, that's enough to shout and praise God for. So every member of the body of Christ is necessary. And those parts of the body will all receive. Now, this is important. Will all receive the same reward for faithful service. So whether you're called to be an apostle, a prophet, evangelist, a pastor, a teacher, Sunday school teacher, amen, administrator, a helper in the church. Oh, how we need helpers in the church. Amen. Whatever plan and purpose God has for your life, when you fulfill that plan and purpose, you're going to get a reward for it. Amen. You know, this reminds me of a story I heard about a young man who felt called of God. And so he went to university to study for the ministry. But for some reason, he could not master the Greek and the Hebrew languages. And so he couldn't pass those classes. So what he did is, he retired from the university and he went into the mission field where that type of training wasn't much needed or desired. And so he spent many years on the mission field. And while on the mission field, he heard of classmates who had who had succeeded in their denomination. They were promoted to illustrious positions. And so this missionary, after working on the foreign field for many, many years, he died and he all, he died almost unnoticed by his denomination. But his service resulted in many of the natives who he ministered to becoming believers and followers of Christ. Amen. See, our faithfulness to Christ, even though it may be unnoticed most of the time, will prove at the judgment seat of Christ, at the judgment bar of God, it will prove the degree of love and faithfulness that we have towards Christ. So that is the reason why uh, we are part of the local church and why we get involved and get busy. Amen.
And so Paul finishes out here in chapter 26 and 20, I mean, uh, verses 26 and 27. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it. Or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. Now ye are the body of Christ and members in particular. Amen. You know, it reminds me of a verse of scripture that Paul preached to, uh, wrote to the uh, Colossian church in chapter 2 and not holding the head. Notice this, from which all the body, all the body, by joints and bands, having nourishment, ministered and knit together, increases with the increase of God. Have you ever thought of yourself as a helper and a member of a church and you're there working in that church helping and causing that church to increase with the increase of God. If you've never thought of yourself in that respect, you need to begin to do that. Well, all I am is a janitor. All I am is a Sunday school teacher. Let me tell you something right now. You're fulfilling a vital role in that working in that in that local church and you're working toward the increase of it. Who is going to do the job that you're that you're doing now? Amen. If you're called to that position, who else is going to fulfill that position? Amen. So do it. Do it as unto the Lord. Be faithful. Be a faithful servant and you will receive a reward. Listen to something else that Paul wrote to the Roman church. He Notice in chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. We'll, we'll, yeah, we'll read verses 4 and 5. For as we have many members in one body, and all members have not the same office, so we being many are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. See, there's such a connection in the body of Christ. Amen. Even though our personalities may be different, even though our likes and dislikes may be different, there still there is a connection through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, through the Holy Spirit of God that connects us together. And this transcends denominational lines, and it should. Amen. We are all members of the body of Christ. And as members of the body of Christ, we are necessary to the proper functioning, increase, and the growth of the body. Amen. Have you thought of yourselves like that? That I am necessary to the proper functioning and increase in the body of Christ in my local church. If you've never thought of yourself in that way, you need to begin to think of yourself that way. I'm necessary. Amen. God saved me. He put me into the church. He set me in the church. He's led me to this uh, department. He's led me to this ministry. And so I'm going to do it with all that is within me. I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it to the glory of God. And when I tell you, oh, what a wonderful day that will be when you and I stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm telling you, there's a lot of people that are afraid or they look with apprehension at the judgment seat of Christ. But I'm telling you, I think we're going to be very, very glad if whatever we've done, whatever work, whatever we set our hands to do, we've done it with all our might and we've been as faithful to him as we possibly can. Praise God. And I know that there's people that can do what we do much better. Uh, they're much more intellectual. They're much more trained. They're much more experienced. But God didn't call them. He called you to that position that you're filling. And so he's, there, there is grace available for you to do that work, to do it to the best of your ability. And God is going to bless it. He'll bless faithfulness. 
Amen. Praise God. All right. Beginning in verse 28. Now we're going to be talking about the ministry gifts of the spirit. <coughs> Notice in verse 28. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. After that, miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, governments, diversities of tongues. But now Paul so Paul also mentions the ministry gifts in Ephesians chapter four. Let me go ahead and read them to you. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Amen. Now, I want you to notice something. First of all, when Paul wrote the Corinthian letters, they were written toward the earlier part of his ministry. And so as the years progressed and he wrote the Ephesian letter, it was written towards the latter part of his ministry. And so there is a coalescing now. There is a regrouping or a, a retitling of these different ministry gifts from the letter written to Corinth to the letter written to the Ephesians. And I say that because... When Paul says miracles, gifts of healings in 1 Corinthians 12, the verse that we're studying now, he titles these two gifts under the evangelistic ministry. And so when Paul defines helps and governments in 1 Corinthians 12, he mentions these gifts as pastor in Ephesians chapter 4, and I think that's very important. He mentions in 1 Corinthians the third ministry gift being that of teachers, but in, in Ephesians chapter 4, he mentions teachers last. So there is a regrouping, but there is the same type ministry involved in these fivefold ministries. So we're, what we're going to do is we're going to put these, uh, what Paul mentions in 1 Corinthians uh, 12, 28, and what Paul mentions in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 11, we're going, to, we're going to coalesce them together, give us an idea, amen, of what Paul's talking about. He's not talking about two different things. He's not talking about five gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and then eight gifts in, a, in uh, I mean, eight gifts in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and then five gifts in uh, Ephesians chapter 4, as if three were dropped off for some unknown reason. No, no, that's not exactly what we're talking about here. So let's talk about the first uh, gift that Paul mentions here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 28. And that's the, that's the uh, gift of apostles. Notice he says, first apostles. Now, what is an apostle? Well, an apostle is someone who is sent. He is a delegate or a messenger. He's one who is sent forth with orders. Amen. And uh, in other words, we'll just say that the, the, uh, the title or the ministry of apostle is a sent one. Amen. That's really uh, what the Greek word apostolos means. And of course, in church history now, we have four classes uh, within the apostolic ministry. First of all, had the Lord Jesus. He's the apostle and high priest of our faith. 
that apostolic ministry or that classification is closed. There's never going to be anybody other than the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the apostle and high priest of our faith. And then the second class is the 12. That apostolic uh, ministry is also closed. There's never going to be any more than 12. The 12 are the 12. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. The 12 apostles of the Lamb. And I know Judas apostatized and fell. Mattathias was put in his place. But see, the number is still 12. And then the third classification is the foundation apostles, like uh, the Apostle Paul, like Peter, like those who were responsible now, who were called to develop and establish the doctrine of Scripture. And, of course, we see that in all of uh, Paul's uh, epistles. And then, of course, the fourth class are the modern apostles, those from the end of the apostolic age to present. Uh, these are ones, they're sent ones, and they're sent with gifts and anointings to do a specific type of, of job and ministry, and it has to do with preaching the gospel. It also has to do with establishing churches, going into regions where no one has ever gone before, going into virgin territory, so to speak, preaching Christ, winning converts, planting churches, establishing those churches, and then moving on to another uh, territory. So now Paul also mentions in Second Corinthians chapter 12, notice what he says here in verse 12. Truly the signs of an apostle were wrought among you in all patience and signs, wonders, and mighty deeds. So the apostolic ministry is a supernatural ministry. And this ministry is followed by signs and wonders and miracles. Amen. But now, is someone who just plants churches, he may call himself an apostle. That is a title that's misapplied. Apostle ministry, apostolic ministry, the ministry of an apostle is much more than just going around planting churches. And I know there's a lot of ministries that do that. That doesn't necessarily mean that the person or persons has an apostolic call. Just because somebody goes out and pioneers a church, that does not make him an apostle. Amen. Now, what are some of the marks of an apostolic ministry? Well, once again, the ministry is followed by miracles, signs, and wonders. There is an evident anointing upon the person to be able to go in, not to build on another man's foundation, but to go in and build his own foundation in an area that's not been reached for the gospel before and to be successful at it. The greatest example that I have is the ministry of John G. Lake in the last century. He was specifically called of God to go to Johannesburg, South Africa. And he went by faith. God supernaturally arranged for him to get to that country. This is way, way back. This is way back before modern transportation. He had to go by ship. We're not airplanes back then. And so he gets to Johannesburg in a period of several years. He turns that country upside down. Miracles and signs and wonders follows his ministry. He plants over a hundred churches, and those churches are still alive and functioning today. Think about the power in that man's ministry. Well, that power came from God. That was God specifically calling him to an area, to a region, amen, and him preaching the gospel. Now, I know that there were other Christian works in Johannesburg, South Africa, but not Pentecostal works. 
of the degree that John G. Lake brought. And see, and and his ministry revolutionized that government. He was recognized by the the leaders of the government, the particular ministry that this man had. So uh, to be placed in an apostolic ministry uh, becomes very evident uh, to those around him. An anointing, uh, the recognizable gifts of the spirit, the signs and wonders that follow his ministry. Amen. And uh, his ability to be able to go into regions where the gospel has not been preached. When converts preach the gospel, he preaches the gospel first. Amen. That's very important. He preaches the gospel. Amen. And as a result of preaching the gospel with that apostolic anointing, he's able to win converts, plant churches, establish those churches and those churches prosper. Amen. So that's the apostolic ministry. Now, notice Paul also says secondarily prophets. And uh, I like what Paul wrote in Ephesians chapter two, verses 19 to 20. I want to go ahead and read it to you. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. So the foundational gifts are the apostle gift and the prophet gift. Amen. And just like there were different classes in the apostolic ministry, there's also different classes in the prophetic ministry. There's the prophets in the Old Testament. Uh, Jesus was a prophet. There were the foundational prophets in the apostolic era. And of course, there's prophets in the modern era. And the main function of these prophets is to edify, to exhort and to comfort. Now, what separates the prophet's ministry from prophecy, those who prophesy in the church, is the revelation gifts. They have keen insight, word of wisdom, word of knowledge, and discerning of spirits. They have the ability then to be able to see into the spirit realm. They also have equipped in them inspired utterance to a greater effect. And they'll know things by the spirit that others won't know. And of course, they have the ability then by God to give into or to see into the spirit realm. Now, there's a note about the prophetic ministry. We are not to seek guidance from prophets. Let me say that again. We are not to seek guidance from the prophets. We are to be guided by the Holy Spirit. Jesus tells us that in John 16, 13. Now, a prophet may edify you. He may exhort you. He may comfort you. Uh, he may correct and admonish you. Uh, he may give you by the spirit of word uh, to help you. But we are to seek guidance from the word of God and from the spirit of God, not from prophets. Prophets are not soothsayers. They are not palm readers. Amen. They're not fortune tellers. They were placed in the church to edify, to exhort and to comfort uh, the church. Amen. All right. Now, the third gift is that of the teacher. And of course, the Greek word for teacher is didaskalos. And what it means is an instructor. And it's translated in the New Testament as doctor, master or teacher. Jesus was called master. And he was called teacher. Amen. And this ministry is set in the church, anointed to teach the word of God and to draw out the deeper things 
of the word of God, things that you and I will just be acquainted with on the surface. Amen. But the teacher has the ability to bring the quality and the revelation of the word of God to the front to where we can all see it. Amen. Now, the teacher, this ministry gift is uh, it's marked by the teacher being a student of the word of God. I mean, he studies the word all the time. And because of that, he develops extraordinary study habits. He has the ability, amen, to have uh, information available that will help him to better teach the word of God. And also, like I said, he'll dig out the deeper truths of the word of God. And this, I tell you, this ministry is so needed in the church today. Amen. We really need to know the word of God. And then Paul goes on and he says this, after that miracles, then gifts of healing. This is the evangelistic ministry. Philip was an evangelist. And we see these ministry gifts alive in his ministry. And so the evangelistic ministry, it's accompanied with the power gifts, miracles, healings, faith. Amen. Praise God. And then, of course, <coughs> excuse me, the last gift <coughs> is that of helps, governments, diversities of tongues. And of course, this is cataloged under the pastoral ministry. The, past, the local church is the most important part of the body of Christ. That's where most of the people of God are included, where they're grouped together in the local church. So naturally, there is a call for governments, administrations. There is a call for helps. Helps in the church is absolutely necessary. Amen. And Paul says this, he says, therefore, I exhort the elders among you. Now, in this case, uh, the word elder and pastor is talking about the same thing. As your fellow elder and witness of the sufferings of Christ and a partaker also of the glory that is to be revealed, shepherd the flock of God among you, exercising oversight, not under compulsion, but voluntarily, according to the will of God, not for sordid gain, but with eagerness, nor yet as lording it over those allotted to your charge, but proving to be examples to uh, the flock. Amen. That's the pastoral ministry. It's a ministry that is so absolutely necessary to the leadership and direction by the Holy Spirit and through the Holy Spirit to the local church. And then finishing out verses 29, 30 and 31. Notice what Paul says. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, have all the gifts of healing, do all speak with tongues, talking about the public ministry of tongues, do all interpret. But now he ends this chapter by saying, but covet earnestly the best gifts, and yet show I unto you a more excellent way. And that leads us into the great love chapter. Amen. First Corinthians chapter 13. Heavenly Father, bless you and thank you today for your goodness and for your mercy, Lord. We take the word of God. We act upon it today. We give you praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if you were to die today, that you would be prepared for heaven? If you're not sure, then I encourage you to pray this prayer with me. Father God, I come to you through your Son, Jesus Christ. I repent and ask you to forgive me of my sin and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I surrender my heart and life to you. By faith, I believe I receive you as my Lord and Savior, and I thank you for receiving me in Jesus' name. Amen. 
If you prayed this prayer and desire to know more about the gift of Christ that the Heavenly Father offers you, then email us at rbtc86 at gmail.com. We will be glad to answer your questions promptly and provide you at your request with materials that will help you to grow in your faith in the Lord Jesus. This is Patsy Dunning. Thank you for listening to our broadcast today. And let me remind you to tune in to this station at the same time next week to hear more of the wonderful words of life. God bless you and remember what Jesus said. It is the Spirit who gives life.